Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. Today we have Tika Scott, who is a consent culture expert. She explains why consent is not easily defined and not as simple as just saying yes or no. She gives practical steps for practicing no in order to set your boundaries. We also talk about her work as a consent culture expert and how she is promoting a collaborative consent culture through interactive workshops. So let's get into the episode. Hey y'all, it's Randy. There is a trigger warning for this episode. If you are listening to this episode and you feel triggered, please just go ahead and skip forward to the next incredible episode. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast with your host, Randy and Catherine. This is a space for powerful women to share their story and to be real and raw about the truth of living your life's purpose. Any topic is fair game. We check gossip at the door so we can focus on building community and collaboration. This podcast will help you discover your individual power and give you the tools to live your most uplifted life. So let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. Today we have Tika Scott, and Tika is a consent culture expert who is transforming the way we think about consent. She teaches others how to create consent culture, and I know her personally from my Women Speak Circle and have been personally transformed by the work that she is doing around consent. So I'm so excited to talk to her today. So welcome, Tika. Welcome, Tika. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for being here. Yes. So, you know, we just wanted to dive right into your story. So I know that you are a survivor of sexual abuse. So I would love to hear about how that story got you to where you are today, transforming the way people think about consent. Well, it's a long story. I'm 52. So, and it all started when I was four years old when I was sexually abused uh, by my oldest brother, who was a teenager at the time. And uh, that shattered my boundaries because it's, it's one of my earliest memories. So I don't remember anything before that, really. And uh, so I grew up not feeling that I had the right to say no, that, you, that my body didn't belong to me, that I didn't have control over it. Uh, and I only had the opportunity opportunity to start learning personal self-autonomy in my teen years and it's been a process ever since. Um, I remember one incident in when I was in university and this guy we were all just being playful in the hallway of our dormitory and this guy came up to me and he was just kind of started playfully slapping me and I just let him. I didn't think about it. And then he was like, oh my God, you guys look at this. And then he turned to another girl and he did, tried to do the same thing to her. But before he even got close, she like hit his hand away. And I realized, oh, I could have done that. That's how bad my boundaries were. Wow. I realized I had a lot of work to do. And I mean, it's been a lifelong process. Um, and the way these things go, it's, it's not a linear path. You go through spirals. And um, uh, I got to a point 
where I felt like I had it all together. I had it figured out. Um, about a decade ago, I was had at the pinnacle of my career and I had a six figure income and I was, um, had my own house and I really felt like I was in control of things. And uh, I had a, a health crisis and the health crisis I had was my, uh, an autoimmune disorder that my body was attacking my own spine. And to me, that was very symbolic of how I had not, um, well, first of all, I had spent my life in a defensive posture, scrunching. And, um, and outwardly doing things that made me feel better about myself, but not doing enough internal work um, to love myself. And uh, so that, that disorder left me bedridden for a while and I was terrified. I was like, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my career. And at the time I thought I loved my life and I had it all together and I had everything I wanted. And as I was laying in bed, I realized I hated my job. <laughs> I did not love my career and the house was not that big a deal either. And, and I didn't love myself. I hated myself. I hate, I hadn't loved myself in a long time. I hadn't been taking care of myself. I, every day I had this never ending list of things to do and I wasn't even on the list. It was all other stuff that I had to do to please other people, to make things work. And um, so I had to start the process of learning to love myself. And I had help from various people. I had this great uh, acupuncturist who said, you know, you just need to love yourself and I was like but I don't know how I just don't know how and he said you know pretend that you're someone you love and then treat yourself that way think of something you would do for people you care about and do those things for yourself and that's how I started it's very effective after after a just a very short while it was like the cells of my body just realized oh somebody loves us you know we're not being flogged anymore it's not always about you know what needs to be done or what other people want. So during that process, um, I did some seeking and um, I asked for guidance and I got the message that um, I am here to help with the sexual healing of the planet, which makes sense because that's what I've been doing my whole life is figuring out how to heal myself. You know, a lot of people that um, had the kind of childhood I had would end up dead from suicide or drug overdose. Mm -hmm. And it did take a lot to survive. And then it took a lot to learn to thrive. And um, so I, I learned, I, I taught myself how to do that. And um, I felt like I have something to share and I just need to learn to learn some more about how to teach people. So I thought, okay, sexual healing is my thing. I dove in with both feet and I started to going 
to tantric retreats and sexual healing workshops. And right away I ran into a lot of it being led by men with huge egos and not much integrity and uh, really no understanding of consent. And so I took a step back and I was like, well, we have to start at the basics. Like people need to understand what consent is. And I, and I also had teenagers and, and, and a daughter in her early 20s at the time. And through them and their friends, I came to realize that many young people don't understand even the basics of consent as well and what constitutes sexual assault and that you're entitled to your own personal autonomy. So, and then I found Cuddle Party and I can't say enough good things about Cuddle Party. Cuddle Party is this amazing uh, workshop. It's a work play shop that's three and a half hours long. Um, and the first hour of it is learning consent to create a safe space to do the cuddling. Uh, it was started by a couple of young sex educators 13 or 14 years ago, and it's grown into an international phenomenon. And um, it's, I was just taken by it right away. I was lucky enough to learn the facilitation of it from Marsha Bozinski, one of the co-founders. And my favorite part of Cuddle Party is the welcome circle where we go over the rules and people practice saying yes and no and do some of the exercises that I do in my consent culture workshop now. I found that the length and the um, cuddling aspect of Cuddle Party was intimidating to a lot of people and was a it was not accessible to a lot of people. Um, and I really wanted to find a way to make that first part of it more accessible to more people. Um, so with Cuddle Party's blessings, I've taken a few of their exercises. I've taken exercises from consent education and I've created some of my own and I've put together just like, it's like a, I call it consent culture intro because it's the basics. How do you get from here to there so that people understand what consent is and, and how to do it. That is so amazing. Thank you for the work you do, first of all, because that's fantastic. Oh, you. Um, and you've kind of mentioned, like I think in this day and age, it's so important your message and what you do just with all the sexual assault allegations that we see in media um, and victim blaming and things to that effect. I guess to keep things simple and start out at a foundation, how would you define consent? Right. So the definition of consent has evolved really rapidly in the last few years. It used to be, you know, no means no. And then it was, you know, anything but an enthusiastic yes is a no or get a verbal yes and then it was anything but an enthusiastic yes is a no which is a great place but i think we can go even further than that um there is no like simple uh definition of consent it's a complicated thing 
especially because we live in rape culture where it's normalized and accepted that there is rape and sexual assault and sexual harassment. And so to me, consent culture is a, is a world where it's normalized that you have personal autonomy over your body and that of course you do. And that, you know, there's no question of that. Um, but we don't get from there here to there by just saying, oh, consent is this and just say no one. Um, because we're have we have a lot of unlearning to do um there's trauma you can pretty much assume that people you're interacting with are coming from a place of at least some trauma some miseducation in their life most people struggle with their boundaries um when i first started i assumed that you know of course when as women we've been taught saying no is rude do you don't want to hurt people's feelings you have to take care of people's feelings um or that bad things may happen if you say no and you have to be careful when you say no um and i thought well it's it's women that have the problem saying no and it's women that need to practice saying no and although there is a gender aspect to it and i do believe women especially need to practice saying no what I found in teaching this is that it's across the board. Um, all genders have issues around boundaries and saying no um, and asking for what they want. So other than it just like, you kind of talked about one of the misconceptions that it's like women are, you know, are the only ones who struggle with no, you know, you talked about how that's a big misconception. What are some of the other misconceptions that people have around consent um well i mean there's basics with um people not understanding the definitions of sexual assault and harassment um i mean i think there are a lot of people that think i've had young women say to me well i was i went to his place so i guess it's not rape or you know i i was i was I wanted to have sex with him. I just didn't want to do that. So I guess it's not rape. Uh, you know, um, he was my boyfriend. So I guess it's not rape. I had a woman who was stabbed by her boyfriend tell me that. Oh my so, God. <laughs> I mean, and I think a lot of us have had the experience where we feel like, oh, I said yes to this point. So now it's too late to say no, even though I don't want to go any further. Yeah, well, I was just thinking, you know, I, I just saw Tika earlier this week and we were talking about this and I was thinking about it in my own life, in my past relationships, how there's been times where like, I was really not in the mood to have sex, really didn't want to have sex, but I did it anyway because I felt like I had to because I felt like I couldn't say no or I would be like, oh, well, I'll just give you a blow job because like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we'll yeah. just like, you know, suck me off, like whatever, like, you know, and you can't say no. Cause it's like, you're like, well, I'm in this relationship with this person and mm -hmm. like, isn't it my job to like make right. sure they're satisfied? Like, right. and so I have just, you know, I mentioned how you've impacted my own life. And this is just one of the ways how I realized how I have struggled with my own boundaries and saying no to the men in my life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'd say that's universal. There's 
Um, and I think that men are raised with an expectation that their needs are more important and that they are supposed to get satisfied. And unfortunately, there's a lot of media that, you know, reinforces that message. So, yeah, not only are we trying to unlearn all this and create something new, but we're still in the thick of it where I would argue that it's not getting better media-wise um, and uh, in terms of what um, teens and children are exposed to as their first images of, you know, sex and affection even are very confusing to be nice about it, you know, and very damaging, I think. A lot of it is very damaging. So. Yeah. And like as daunting as that all sounds, it's kind of doom and gloom. It's like, oh, media is out to get us. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, all we can ever do is change ourselves. So mm -hmm. how would you recommend women listening now to practice changing a yes to a no or just even understanding their boundaries? Thanks for asking that. Yeah, and I just wanted to say like, Although it is daunting, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because yeah. when I do my consent class, I don't go into all the problems. Um, I, I facilitate from a place of recognizing trauma and working with unlearning. But I do it in a way that's fun. And um, my workshops are full of people laughing and having revelations and feeling empowered and enlightened. So what I like to say is fighting rape culture is hard, but creating consent culture is fun. And it really is. Um, so uh, I would say go to a workshop like mine. Um, practice saying no, even though it's hard. Some days just practice saying no just even tell people in your life, I'm practicing saying no today. I think you'll find most people will support you in that. Um, it takes practice. It isn't easy. I've been practicing for years and I still need to practice. Uh, it's, it's a default for me to want to find a solution that makes the other person happy. And I really have to check in to figure out, am I okay with that? And that's another thing I would urge people to practice is checking in with yourself. Uh, if you're not sure whether you're a yes or a no to something, one of the things that I teach is if you're a maybe, say no. That is one of the rules of Cuddle Party and that has changed my life because I used to always say maybe when I was a no because I thought that's easier. And um at least at the very least i've avoided it in the moment so but then i would go home and be like oh i said maybe i would do that thing and now i have i don't really want to now i have to figure out a way to say no still um or figure out a way to get out of it and it would just hang over my head and it took took up a lot of space and oxygen in my life and now when i'm not sure i say no and then I'm free 
And if I go home and decide, oh, you know, actually I do want to do that thing. That's much easier to just change my mind and say, oh, actually, after all, I thought about it. I'd like to do that. Um, saying no when you're a maybe gives you the time and space to figure out what you want. Um, oh, I just lost a thought there. And I, in the workshop, I lead people through an exercise where we say statements. Uh, we get into a relaxed state and then we say statements that um, bring up a universal no or a universal yes. And I ask people to check in how their bodies feel. Like often if you're a no, you, your shoulders might start to come up or your, your stomach might feel a little tense or your jaw might tighten. And when you're a yes, you're gonna feel lighter so the more we learn to check in with our bodies, the more it'll help us to understand whether we're really a yes or a no. But if you're not sure, say no. That's one of the things. Um, I do demos on what consent doesn't look like. Stories that, common stories that I hear are women saying, no, I don't want to kiss, and then getting berated for that, being told they're mean, or being told that that's not fair, or why wouldn't you just give me a kiss, or don't you care about me, or, or you're making me sad, or come on. And uh, one of the things that I go over is that like the more a person does not accept your no, the bigger the red flag that that is not a safe person to, to interact with. So um, thinking about consent as collaboration. Uh, mm. A lot of, to date, a lot of consent has been taught like one person's asking and the other person's saying yes or no. And, but in reality, that's not how it works. And if you're in a relationship where only one person's asking for what they want and the other person's only saying yes or no, get out, <laughs> you know. A, a real interaction, a real relationship is going to be a back and forth and um, of asking for what you want. And I used to use the word negotiating, but some people feel uncomfortable with that because it's connotes a economic or, a, or possibly coercive uh, process. So now I say collaboration. So an interactive collaboration where you're trying to find the most mutually agreeable interaction that you can have. Um, and I think just thinking about it that way um, takes some of the pressure off because it's not just about saying, no, I don't want that. It's about figuring out what you do want and asking for that as well and being willing to hear no if the other person is not okay with it. And so that's part of what I teach in the workshop as well as hearing no and honoring the other person's no, making them feel that their no is not only honored, uh, accepted, but honored and appreciated as vital information for, the, for you to have an authentic interaction that's good for both of you. Mm -hmm. So as women and mothers and, you know, sisters and aunts and everything like that, how can we start to teach 
our children and the future generations consent at an early age? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm not an expert on that, but there are great TED Talks about that. Uh, there's one I particularly like, and I wish I could remember the woman's name right now. Um, but there are lots of techniques with younger children to teach them um, once they're like up and around on their own to teach them that, you know, that their body is theirs, that asking them for consent for touch. Um, one thing I do do with people in my life, if they say, oh, give auntie a hug. I'm like, no, no, please like let her give me a hug if she wants to. Um, please don't tell your child to hug me. Uh, you know, I believe in, you know, authentic um, affection. And um, also if uh, parents or um, instructing their kids to, you know, perform or do whatever, I, I try to say something just that, you know, I, I'd rather see what they want to share, you know, rather than having that um, kind of pressure. Um, so the workshop that I offer, I say that it's really appropriate for ages 10 and up. Not that it's not PG, but I think kids younger than that would be bored with it. And I think um, there, there probably are workshops for kids younger than that or um, classes, and they're, they're probably a lot more uh, playful and with songs and, you know, cartoons and things to make it more interesting for younger kids. Yeah, I know I, I, what you said about just getting consent first when we, you know, hug and touch kids. Like, I, that's such like, that was like such a light bulb moment for me because, you know, my previous job was working with children with autism. And so often we're touching them, you know, of course, not inappropriately, but mm -hmm. they're just so used to having people's, you know, hands mm -hmm. on them. And right, right. It's like, wow, like, what are we teaching our children from such a young age that it's okay to just be touched by people all the time? Or like you said, just have to perform and do these things that maybe we don't really want to do. And so I think that it starts really at a young age. And so, you know, that just hit home for me personally to just start thinking even the way that I interact with the children in my life. The other side of that, of course, though, is that we all have crucial non-sexual touch needs, and especially as children. And a lot of times now, kids aren't getting as much touch as they used to because people are afraid of crossing boundaries. Um, so it is, it's, it's not simple. It's Hard complicated. Time, right? Yeah, and, and often, often with kids, you do have to, like, stop them from hurting themselves or, you know. Yeah. So... It's not a, it's not a something where you can make the black and white, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, of course, when it comes to like their uh, private areas of their body and that, that's obviously. But um, in terms of like giving hugs, uh, 
giving affection, I think it's good to ask, you know, and I'm not saying like in my life, I try to ask people if they want a hug, but when it's obvious, when they're already like going for it, you know, like I don't like stop and go, oh, do you want a hug? You know, like, um, I think it's good to practice these things and also to realize that there are some people out there that don't like hugging. I was shocked to find that out, but it's true. And then I realized that all my life, I've probably been hugging people that were like, oh, I'll get this over with. And, you know, I don't want that. So um, one of the things I do teach in my workshop as well is like really basic body language reading and um, how to invite someone to touch without words, but not actually go for it. Wow. There is a way, because I mean, okay, this is one thing where I really sympathize with the guys is that there are women and I've had women say to me like, oh, I hate when a guy asks me if I want to kiss. Like it just ruins it for me. And I've had guys tell me they've had women say that to them. Like, oh, if you have to ask, never mind. And I implore women, (laughs) please. It's confusing enough for guys as it is um, with unlearning and learning a new way of being. Um, So please don't judge them for seeking consent verbally. Um, And I also say that to guys that it's valid to say at the beginning of a date, say, now, are are you the kind of person that wants me to ask for a kiss? Are you the kind of person that likes spontaneity more? And if they say they like spontaneity, there's a way to lean in for a kiss but not go all the way to touching. And then you've invited the person. There's um, the, the space for them to either come towards you or not. And then you just have to read that. And if they're not coming towards you, it's not happening. And, you know, be gracious about it. Um, and that if, that, if it is happening, that can be sexy as hell to not just like ah, I'm going to put my lips on yours but like lean in and and give the invitation it is actually there's an there is an art to seduction that is uh, a lot about reading body language so this doesn't all have to be like we're all signing contracts in the future, you know, but in the short run, I think to get from where we are to where we want to be, there needs to be a lot more verbal, uh, a lot more communication about what we want and what we don't want. And on that topic of, of communication and conversation, because I do agree, like, I think in general, whether or not people are asking specifically, may I kiss you? I think just being open about what we do and do not want is super important. Mm -hmm. But for women, why do you think it's harder for women in particular to say no? Uh, So we get so much training that is on an unconscious level um, from the time we're born or even before we're born. Uh, I'm not an expert on that either. Uh, But I do believe that 
women are raised to cooperate, to avoid conflict in general, you know, uh, to take care of other people's feelings, um, to um, avoid escalation of conflict. And that is a point I want to make is that sometimes you will be in an unsafe situation and, and it's unsafe to say no. And you have to say whatever you need to say to get out of that situation. And that's different. So if you're in a situation with someone where you feel like you're just trying to figure out how to get, get away, don't worry about saying your authentic no and everything. Just do what you have to do to get safe. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are many pressures. Um, it's, a, it's a real setup because in general, uh, women are um, made to feel bad for saying no, but shamed for saying yes. And, and men can be shamed for saying no, like they're supposed to want yeah. sex or, you know, touch all the time, no matter what. Um, and men and boys are often given the messages that their, their status depends on getting what they want, you know, getting with the girl, um, and that they're supposed to just do whatever it takes to get there. And no is just an, um, you know, a barrier to be, to be overcome, you know, that it just means try harder, try another way. So that, that has been to date, that has been the general messaging. And so it's a real setup for both. You have like, it's geez. <laughs> <laughs> technical difficulties. The joys of being live, you guys. <laughs> It's a real toxic mix for, and leads to a lot of pain and suffering that we just don't need to have, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think for most people, I mean, there are psychopaths out there and yeah. I have known some, but I think for most people, we want to be authentically loved and we want to give love authentically and we just don't know how to get there. So, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So is there anything else that you would like to talk about that we haven't already talked about that you would like to share with our audience? Any questions you wish we would have asked you perhaps? Um, I'd just like to say that um, for those of you that struggle with saying no, remember that in every no, there are infinite yeses. If you're saying no to going out, you're saying yes to staying at home with a good book or any number of other things you could do. So if you just struggle with that saying no, remind yourself there's a yes in that no there's a yes that's going to be great in that no. So. so the last thing we kind of ask, 
uh, that we can give our viewers and our listeners. We like to take actionable steps so they can make a change today to their lives. So what are three actionable steps that you could recommend to our audience um, that they could implement today that would create an uplifting change in their lives? Okay, so um, action. So I would say practicing saying no. Just even if you say, okay, this week I'm gonna spend an, you know, one day, I'm, I'm just gonna practice saying no. And, and you can even then make a game out of it and like say no when you wanna say yes, just to practice what it feels like. And then be like, you know, I changed my mind. <laughs> Uh, I want, I am a yes, but you know, I'm practicing saying no. Um, realizing that your no is important information, um, both for you to be aware of what your no is and for other people to be aware of what your no is. Um, the next time you, somebody asks you about something and you are a maybe, and you're really not sure if you're a yes or a no, just say no and explain to the per you can even explain to the person like uh i'm not sure but i'm going to say no for now and uh i'll let you know if i change my mind mm -hmm. um give yourself that space and see what it feels like um <laughs> i think it's important for people to give themselves time and space to think about what they really want and um, to understand that our own personal choices to go after what we genuinely desire is a gift to humanity and a gift to the universe. Um, I think a lot of us have Put our own needs and wants on the back burner and we think that we're helping everyone around us by doing that i just really urge women to understand that i believe free will is a law of the universe and that the pursuit of happiness is a human right and that your happiness and your joy following pursuing your desires to get there is the greatest gift that you can give to humanity and the universe that's um, so beautiful i love it i love it thank you so much tika <laughs> thank Where you andy find you and connect with you oh how can people find me and connect with me yes our listeners okay so um i have um I work, uh, I have a website called consentmadefun.com and you'll find all my contact information there and the different workshops that I do. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the, on the podcast. I know that this episode is going to transform so many people's lives and the way that they think about consent and just empowering them to learn more about themselves and practice saying no because I know we all need help with that yeah. thank you Randy I'm so I'm so glad that I know you and that that you're doing this work it's so important oh I love you Tika <laughs> I love you it's too like, <laughs> you're having you on here I just love thank you, you. As a person, so. <laughs>
Thank you both for having me. Thanks. You're so welcome. Okay. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with us. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. To continue the conversation, follow Catherine and Randy on social media. Our links are listed in the show notes. We can't wait to share another powerful story with you next week. And until then, stay stay uplifted. uplifted.